This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here at Plains FM 96.9. My name's Martine and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of the show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. And then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who's an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Yeah, g'day. Uh, my name's Pat and I'm alcoholic. Uh, the AA preamble, Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sex, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, either endorses or opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, it's not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold on you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you're an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism and the alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it's an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind to the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to live life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview a member who is going to share their experience with alcoholism. Right, so let's meet our guest. I wonder if you'd like to introduce yourself and I'll get a bit of a background. To, to start off, how old are you? 
uh, on Pat, I'm not quite, I'm uh, 54 years of age. Uh huh. And Pat, how long have you been sober for? Uh, 14 years. Cool. And what do you do for a job? Uh, I'm an interior plasterer. Mm-hmm. And are you married? Do you have children? Uh, I'm divorced, but I have, I've been married twice. I've been divorced twice, obviously, and I have four children. Mm-hmm. And where are you from? And can I guess, can you tell us a bit about your background, what it was like growing up, what your childhood was like? Uh, yeah, I'm from originally from Christchurch, born and bred in Christchurch, I'm a Cantabrian. Um, I grew up in a, um, a home in Shirley in Christchurch. Um, I have five, four older siblings. And I have two younger siblings as well to a different, a separate marriage. My father got married again. Um, wife was, I sort of, my mum died when I was quite young. So I grew up with um, like a lot of stuff where people were trying to make up, you know, help, help, you know, try to make life better for me. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just, I, I suppose I lived with my dad. And um, yeah, it was, was just a normal sort of a life really. Well, he was a recovering alcoholic as well. Right. And uh, so I grew up in a house of rec- people in recovery. Did you ever know him to drink? Uh, no. Right. No. My, my father got uh, sober when I was 18 months of age. Right. 18, 18 years, yeah, months, yeah. Great. So I wonder if you could tell us about um, when you started drinking and, and say, for example, your first drink, what was it like? How did you feel? Oh, um, my first drink... When I was probably around about eight or nine, um, my um, my mum, my, well, my dad was dying of cancer. My dad would they would go away to do to have therapy and stuff like that, and they'd come back with them. My mum would always bring the mini bar stuff back, like the little wee bottles of yeah. bourbon <laughs> and vodka and all that sort of stuff. So I remember going into the cabinet and I remember drinking a little bottle of of Jim Bean bourbon and I remember laying on the couch and I remember that warm feeling going through me. Yeah. And I, I still have that today. It sort of makes me feel a bit funny when I talk about it. I right. still have that warm feeling and I and I was like, oh something nice about that. So when you started drinking, how was it? Were you drinking socially or alone? Were you binge drinking? Um, when I started really, really started drinking, I was probably around about thirteen or fourteen. Um I was Drinking with friends, you know, it was mm-hmm. just with friends and, and family and schoolmates. Like, you know, um, my dad, being a, a solo parent at the time, I, I, at lunchtime my, all my schoolmates would come home and we'd get on it. Right. You know, wouldn't go back to high school, you know. So, you know, that's, that's how it sort of started. And did you ever feel at that stage that it was a problem and did you try to stop? I loved it. Right. I loved the feeling. It made me. It made me more attractive. It made me more confident. It made. It, it did what I couldn't do for myself. Yeah. So when when did you get to the point when you realised you needed help? And had you ever sort of like had had it had an impact in terms of did you lose jobs? Was it affecting your relationship, family, friends, loved ones? No, I'd always worked for myself right from the age of seventeen. Oh, cool. So I could never lose my job. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, drugs and alcohol were just a part of my life. Yeah. And um, to be honest, my ego was that huge and the chip on my shoulder, I never thought I had a problem. Right. Never. I, I grew up, as I said, I grew up in a home of alcoholics that were in recovery and I thought they were full of it. I thought they right. were just the weak people. There was right. something wrong with them. Why can't they drink, you know? Why yeah. Can't, you know, there's something wrong with them. Yeah. Did you ever get into any trouble with the law, drink driving or fights or anything like that? No, I never did. Right. I don't know how. 
I, I, I was, I've, I used to skite about. I always used to be that guy that could go through the. In those days, they never used to stop everyone at the at the at the drink driving buses. So I was always the third or the second car, and I'd just drive through, and I'd be blind. Right. You know. Crazy. Yeah. Um. So what made you realise that you eventually needed help? Um. At the age of forty, sitting in my father's uh, house in Brighton, uh, just walked out of a marriage. Had huge amount of debt with Inland Revenue. Yeah. Um, a bag of clothes in a rubbish bag and a two thousand dollar van, and wanted to die. Right. So mentally and emotionally, spiritually empty. Right. So how did you find your your way to your first AA meeting, and what was it like? Uh, my first time to an AA meeting was with my brother who was in recovery at the time. Yeah. And he asked me to go to an AA meeting and he said, oh, I might just come along and have a listen. And I thought, you know, at that time I was drinking myself to sleep every night with wild turkey at my father's house who were people in recovery, you know, um, doing things I shouldn't be doing, having an, an affair with my, my ex-wife's best friend. Right. You know, doing all that stuff that, yeah. that that went along with that stuff because my ego was so huge yeah. that I, I just didn't care. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my brother said, you know, why don't you come to an AA meeting? So I went along. I thought I'll go along and listen and shut these people up. Yeah. So how was it? Uh, I sat in the room and I listened to a guy that shared. I, yeah, the first part of it was just like, you know, I was looking at the carpet and thought, why are these people so happy? <laughs> you know. They're all alcoholics, aren't they? Why, why are they so happy? You know, uh, um, yeah. So I was just like, I was just like, I don't really belong here, but I'll just go along with it for a bit, you know. To be yeah. honest, and um, I, the third, third or fourth guy that shared the guy was a newcomer, and he shared exactly what I was, what I thought that right. I'd never heard before. Yeah, that, you know, a lot of stuff that I'd never heard before that I thought. That you know, and uh, that I'd never heard in a doctor's room, never heard by talking to anyone really, never heard it from my parents. Yeah. So how have you managed to stay sober? What how, do you and what sort of things do you do to ensure your sobriety? Um, pretty simple, really. I um I go to AA on a regular basis. Yeah. I have an AA sponsor. I've I've um. Um, and they able you work the twelve steps, the steps, you know, steps and traditions, which I, I practice, and, I'm, and 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 it says in our in our literature that we don't we don't have to be perfect at that. It's yeah. just been willing to, you know, willing to change. So I wanted to change because I was, you know, I, was, I felt like when I wanted to die. Had you ever stopped going to meetings? Yes, I have. And how was that? It was fantastic. <laughs> That's sarcasm, by the way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was horrible. Right. Uh, yeah. Just what, really, hap- what happened to you? How did you feel? Um, how I felt, I felt lonely, right? And I felt um, like I was, I was disjointed from the world. I couldn't get on with anyone. I just was just felt like a bit of an oxygen thief. Really, I felt like you know, I was at that point where I, th- I needed something. Yeah. So I'd escape to other things like food. Yeah. I knew I couldn't drink because if I picked up another drink, I probably would never come back. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have come back, to be honest. I'd, you know. Mm. It's it's interesting, isn't it, when you think about some people talk about, you know, being unsure if they had another recovery in them. And I think it's a very – it's a big question, isn't it? You can't answer it if you're not, if you're not there and it's a very scary sort of a, 
a prospect when sobriety can bring you so much. It's, yeah. It's Russian roulette, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. So how do you cope with difficulties now that you are sober? What um, if something really gets to you? If something really, well, you know, it's, life happens to me all the time. Yeah. You know, just because I'm an alcoholic and I'm and I'm uh, I'm sober and I, I do all the things that I'm supposed to have a sponsor and do all that stuff, life still happens to me because I can revert back to type. I, I I get away from the from the the little things in AA like helping others and yeah. just doing a bit of service and stuff like that. So, and then if you know, I mean, because like you know, I have money have moment I have money problems at the moment. So you know, I I I divert from the program. Yeah, so, and I'll revert to type where I crawl back into my into myself. And I won't talk to anyone. I'll stop communicating. Yeah. And that's a dangerous place for someone like me. So the next question, you actually brought up services being a part of your recovery. What? How important is it to you and what are, the, what are some of the things that you've done? Um, I've, I've been uh, secretary at meetings. I've been tea and coffee person. Um, I've been on the 24-hour phones quite a lot. Mm-hmm. I've done that for quite a top, few times. Um I've done the radio show before, yeah. just doing service like that. Um, I sponsor a couple of people, yeah. Doing, and you know, just just really simple things, really. Yeah. So, how would you describe yourself and your life today? How how do you feel in yourself? How do I feel? I feel free. Right. I have I have moments of peace, and um, like, yeah, I'm a better, I'm a far better person than what I used to be. Like. When I was drink, when I was sober, when I was in my active re- addiction, when I was sober, I could not talk to anyone. Right. You know, there's things that I've done in sobriety that I thought I would never do. I've sung at a wedding with a hundred people. Um, I've yeah, I've had more children. Yeah. I did. I didn't expect that. They're a gift. Um, some days. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like I have grandchildren. I have I have sons that that come to me when the Basically, when it's a fan, you know, they yeah. they come and see me for some, and I, it's nothing that I've done. I don't try. I I'm not controlling. I I don't manipulate people like I used to. Yeah, I still struggle with people. You know, it's that's still a, that's still a work in progress. How would you describe your confidence in your self esteem now? Definitely, my confidence and and my ability to as as a person's like gone through the roof. But sometimes my self esteem, if I'm if if I stay away from this. My self esteem gets a little bit dented. Yeah, you know, if I put myself in a place to be hurt, where I have expectation around people, I can, I can get a little bit damaged. Yeah, because I'm, you know, like the common traits of an alky is, is, um, you know, we're super sensitive. You know, I'm, I can still walk into a room and read the people that don't like me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and it's probably not true. Yeah, because I grew up, I grew up in a house where you walked on eggshells. Yeah, my life's like that. It's just, and that's something that's probably. I, I ask it to be changed all the time. I, I, you know, I have I've talked to my sponsor about that stuff and and done a lot of work on that fear of what people think of me. Yeah, but it's still there a little bit. Yeah. And what about your morals and values compared now compared to when you were drinking? They're a bit of a one eighty, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're quite a bit of a one eighty. You know, like um, infidelity, all that sort of stuff. I'm not into that. I'm yeah. not into um, yeah, like. I used to sell marijuana, to, you know. I, I lived. I had a life of, you know. I was like, I had this big flash house, and I'd be selling marijuana, and I had my kids were racing motocross. So I was funding it with that. I was just really, 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 you know. I'd do anything to get anything. Yeah. And nothing was off the table. 
Yeah. I got tied up with gang people. I got tied up. I'm, I'm still a good friend of mine, but um, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like my life got a bit diluted. Have there been sort of outer changes in terms of, um, of what your life looks like since becoming sober in terms of like your home, travel or hobbies or interests or anything like that? I suppose the biggest thing that's really resonated with me is um, the feedback from my older children about right. who the person I am compared to what I used to be when they grew up with. Yeah. And that's been the biggest thing about um, like my, my son's wife, she says, I can't believe that the person you are, that I never knew you then, but to see you as you are today with your grandchildren and all that sort of stuff, she said, it's, it's, I don't believe it. Yeah. I said, you better believe it. <laughs> yeah. It was like that. You know, yeah. it was like that. I was controlling, I was angry, I was, you know, I ruled with an iron fist, you know, yeah. just like I got brought up. Yeah. You know, so um, that's that's been enough for me, really, That it, to hear it from someone else that doesn't know me is to say, I can't believe that you were like that. Yeah. And what what about now? What are your goals for the future? My goals? Yeah. Um, well, I'm just about to go and buy a lotto ticket after here, so is that <laughs> a goal? Yeah. <laughs> um, and what would you do if you won? What would I do? Yeah. I don't know. What would I do? I'd probably help my family out. Yeah. And, I, and I sh- I'd, probably, I'd probably give most of it away to be to my family and stuff. It's not it's not about the money. I suppose, well, it is about the money. But, um, yeah, my goal was just to um, stay sober. Yeah. That's a bit huge goal. If I have that and I'm willing to do those simple things that my sponsor asks of me, Life changes. Yeah. Not perfect, but it changes. AA has been described as a spiritual program. What does spirituality mean to you? Uh, it brings peace to me, spirituality. And how how does spirituality differ from religion? Hmm, that's a tough question, that one. Because it can be quite, you know, when you, when you walk in the room and you see all the banners with God and that stuff that's mentioned on it, straight away it's like, oh, I've just walked into Sunday school, you know. Yeah. Back in when I was a kid, you know, where we used yeah. to beat up the Sunday school kids down in Shirley for the Raro and the wine biscuits and bull rush and stuff like that. So, like, God for me back then was a weakness. Right. You know, all that talk of that stuff. And my family, like, if, if they come around our house and they were trying to, you know, knock on the door, we'd pull the curtains. Yeah. Even though my father was sober and had a, had a spiritual connection. Yeah. So so what would you say if if somebody came and somebody was new, they came and saw the word God on the wall, what would your advice to them be about my that? My advice would be well, just, just hang around for a bit and just see what you, you know, it says it's a spiritual program. Yeah. You know, just, just come and sit for a while and just, you know, misery's optional. <laughs> you know, you can go back out there, you know. But um, yeah, it's 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 it, it does scare a lot of people away, and I can yeah. understand that. I guess I guess because they're looking at at God in a very religious, formal religious way, whereas yeah. we know that it's it's spiritual and it's our understanding of it, which is really sort of quite different, isn't it? Yeah. Well, no one's ever asked me to go around the streets with AA literature books and knock on people's doors and try yeah. and push them on them. Yeah. No one's ever asked me to push God on anyone. Yeah. So I suppose, it's, you know, some people that come in are religious, some people aren't. And um, the biggest thing that I got out of it, one of the, the highest priests and who was the highest Catholic priest said that the church did not keep him sober. Right. AA did. Right. So if it works for him, why can't it work for me? Why can't it work for everybody? Exactly. Indeed. I only think about myself. 
<laughs> so what advice would, would you suggest for listeners if they, they're sitting at home listening to this and they think they've got a drinking problem? Um, I suppose then come along and have a listen if you think you've got a problem with alcoholism. You know, if you think if it's ruling your life, if it's controlling your life and that's all you think about, what have you got to lose? Yeah. And and following on from that, what questions would you ask somebody or, or get them to ask themselves to decide if they need help? Um, the question is, would you like a better life than what you live, what you have now? Because there's a lot, lot on offer in AA. It's not just about getting sober. If it was just about getting sober, we could just walk, go through the steps and never have to come back again. Yeah. So why, if somebody's listening and they sort of think, well, you know, it sounds like, you know, you need to stay in AA forever. Why would you, why would you, how would you explain to them why that, that's the case? Why you need to stay forever? Well, it's like the, the whole thing of life, isn't it? Is helping others. Is giving, giving something away that, you, that you've got. And it's that simple. The more that, it's just like, like love thy neighbour. If, if we, like, it's lost in our society and it's in our fellowship. Our society is today that our neighbour, if their house is burning, we go, oh, look at those poor bastards. But, you know, back in the day, they used to run over there and give them blankets and help people. But a lot of that's gone out of our society. In our, in our AA, we're taught that to, if we want to stay sober, we help others. Yeah. Lovely. Pat, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Thank you. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or you'd like some more information from about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up at the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 16 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30 on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past show on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. And you don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer, as we do at every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.